I always back myself and it's not easy. Um, I definitely think that I've felt a pressure here the last two weeks that I've honestly never, ever felt in my life the way it's been lingering on. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. All right, Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent is in studio. There's lots of... uh, Interesting rugby news at the moment. More than there should be for... It's the quiet time of the year. It's supposed to be, yeah. It doesn't really happen. Uh, certainly not this summer. Maybe just the nature of a World Cup summer. But um, yeah, but the Johnny Saxon news, the 20s going well and, and even the rugby championship coming up next week. It's um, it's a 12-month season now, rugby. It doesn't really take a break. How many tickets for the IRFU do you get for €138,000? The 10-year tickets? Yeah. They're... I suppose on national radio, I never tried I to tap any of my friends in RTE up for tickets for Ireland matches. Well, even a World Cup package would have been nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, it's quite extraordinary. I was watching the PAC committee, uh, and rugby just popped up. It was like, oh, can we can we not get it? Yeah, you know, can Andy, we not have Andy one scandal go past? But uh, then the Johnny Sexton's news uh, arrived, so I put me back on, back on point. But yeah, it's quite something, isn't it? So Johnny Sexton, the statement has come out this afternoon yeah. from the. EPRC. It says misconduct complaints against the Leinster rugby player Johnny Sexton and against Leinster rugby arising from the Champions Cup final have been lodged by the EPCR after thorough fact finding and careful review of Sexton's behaviour towards match officials after the match. In accordance with regulations, the EPCR disciplinary officer has submitted misconduct complaints so that an independent disciplinary panel can determine whether any misconduct has been committed by Mr Sexton through his behaviour and Leinster through failing to exercise reasonable control over Mr Sexton. Uh, the complaints have been referred to the chairman of the independent disciplinary panel who is from England uh, and his two assistants who are from Australia and Portugal and it's all going to happen by video conference on July 13th. The EPCR said they'll be making no further comment. Uh, this has been speculated upon really since the week after the final. Uh, is it a surprise that it's got this far? I think the longer it dragged on, the more you felt there was something to it because the night of really all the focus was obviously around the game, but also this halftime spat that took place outside the dressing room, which was juicy. And, you know, I think we all expected, and, and EPCR gave us a statement that night saying they would investigate that spat. There's no mention of it in the statement. That seems to have gone away. That that was, you know, much ado. A very interesting nothing, but much ado about nothing really. But I remember Dave Kelly, I was filing my match report. Um, Dave Kelly, my colleague, was sitting beside me in the stadium. And he said, look, it's Sexton. He's gone after the ref. And I mentioned him in my match report, but I didn't think a whole lot more of it because there was so much else going on that night. But it emerged subsequently. And it's it's been very interesting the way the story's gone on. Firstly, it's six weeks since the, the, the match. It's an awful long time to keep anyone waiting or in the dark about this. A letter was sent about three, four weeks ago to Leinster um, indicating that they wanted information from them around this incident from, from Johnny Sexton still it's taken and, and I guess they say it's a thorough is it, what are the words they use it's a, you know, a thorough and um, detailed investigation into this but it's taken an awful long time I mean even the fact that the, st- the hearings in two weeks time mm. means that almost two months will have elapsed since the game so that's I think it's unfair on Johnny Sexton personally I think it's unfair on Ireland I mean there's a there's a big big show happening in a couple of weeks' time. There should be clarity around this. I mean, players get banned within a couple of days of matches in the regular season. And while I accept EPCR staff are allowed to go on holidays and stuff like that, there should be a skeleton staff there who are able to get this done mm. quicker. But having said that, the 
the fact that they've gone this far is very worrying for Johnny Sexton, I would have thought, because this means that he is... They wouldn't have come with nothing, you would imagine. They they, they clearly feel like he has a case to answer. They've appointed a, you know, a King's Council, a senior council, and, and, and a Portuguese official to to this that they're treating it very very seriously as they would always I'm not saying that's very you know very significant mm. but it's a it's it's a it, it's a big thing for him to have to go through and it's very close to Ireland's first warm-up game so um, it's potentially disruptive I mean when City AM broke this story and again like City AM wouldn't have a track record of breaking rugby stories this came out in a very strange way through a yeah. kind of a, a fairly obscure London website that seemed to have video footage and a lot of information from within the corridors of power which suggests someone has just basically lost patience with Johnny over the years and decided this was enough is enough um, but when it came through like uh, through them it, 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 it seemed to have a lot of weight behind it and I think we're seeing now that there is a lot of weight behind it So we don't have the full details of what the official misconduct complaint is Remind us what exactly he's meant to have done because I think most people have seen well, some footage well, we, post-match of him yeah. approaching the referee. It didn't well, look it, as though he was in his face. It well, didn't I look like it was going to get physical. But are there other things that have happened that I think we it's didn't what he see? said. I think it's what he said to the referee and the way he said it. I, I, I would think. I mean, it says after thorough fact-finding and careful review of Johnny Sexton's behaviour towards match officials after the match. So that's what they're looking at. And I mean, we none of us heard what was said. There was some finger pointing. There was there's a second video of him going up to the officials again as he walked off we have to remember of course Johnny Sexton wasn't involved in this match well, he was, he was, how important a, is that part of it's this pretty that significant he's yeah. not a coach he's not a player that essentially he's a third party it's Johnny Sexton yeah but he's an interested third party but he is he's not, he's not made part. his way onto the pitch to abuse the referee yeah he's in a suit with a pair of white runners he stands out quite the Infantino look and it stands out quite quite significantly in, from the stands even um, and he look he is a world figure he is you know, within this context he is the most recognisable man on the pitch you know more recognisable than any of the players that played that day in, in some ways so you know he is the club captain so he could argue that he does have a role as part of the but he really he wasn't involved he wasn't part of the 23 he wasn't part of the coaching group even if he was he really has no right and we see we do see it but we have seen do we see uh, it? We see, from, from players involved yes we've seen it from, from Johnny sorry, Sexton from when players involved, involved but that's what I mean I wasn't surprised I was to see Sexton on the pitch after the game it's the Aviva Stadium he knows his way around it and the look, game look, is over yeah, and there would have been only, you know, players from La Rochelle's probably exactly. hardly on the pitch as well. that's, that's not on. but for him to go and make his case to the referees certainly and you know this suggests there was that he maybe went over the top in the way he did that I mean we can't say that for sure just yet we haven't got a written judgement or anything like that but certainly the suggestion is that he that he did like that, yeah he st- it seems like they feel he stepped over a mark and and that's the case that he has to answer why was he why was he on the pitch why was he Why I think that's fair it's fair enough that he's on the pitch why did he approach referees what did he say to the referees was he aggressive towards them in any way certainly there's no physical contact or anything like that but there have been a couple of very long bans handed out this year uh, for players who've made comments towards referees in, in these tournaments so um, I don't expect him to get hit by anything like a 10 week or something yeah. crazy like that but even if he misses one or two warm up games he's only got you know, three warm-up games, four pool games guaranteed left in his rugby career. So anything he's ruled out for is 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 a blow. And I think he was going to like because he hasn't played since the England game on March eighteenth. You know, he I think I would have expected him to play a pretty big role in Ireland's warm-up games. I don't think he was going to be rested. Uh, certainly for all of them, I think he would have played in in at least one or two of them. Plus that you need to build rhythm into a tournament. So. The the scope for it to disrupt Ireland is quite significant. Leinster also are being 
are being cited for failing to control them I think the words are Would that suggest um, that for players who aren't in the match day 23 the onus is on the club to ensure that they behave themselves Yeah failing to exercise reasonable control over Mr Sexton uh, who is a 37 year old mm. father of three like he's not a child I mean, Again the language around it suggests like, that's behaviour and control so that he lost control is that mm. the suggestion I mean again it's, it's maybe a bit of uh, semantics but it is this is all we have to go on right now. Look, but we it's need to so be careful that we're not hypocritical when how many conversations do we have about respect for referees throughout all sports hmm? and yeah. just because Johnny's pissed off at the end of a massive game with some decisions that didn't go in their favour doesn't make it right. And the players who were on the pitch who had medals at stake didn't do it. Mm. You know, so there is look, there's a case there to be answered and, and his behaviour does need to be reflected upon and just because he's the Ireland captain and the Leinster captain and a legend of the sport shouldn't protect him from that. Um, I mean, I would hate to see him banned for anything that would impact on his on his World Cup. I, I don't think he deserves that in any way. But and O'Gara has you know has said that he doesn't want this pursued. You know, and he was on the other side of it. But I guess he wasn't the one getting the mouthful from 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 Sexton. So look, we'll we'll find out more in two weeks' time. Yeah. But it's really significant. I'm sure Leinster will have a. The finest lawyers in the country on this one, um, and there'll be no shortage of people putting their hands up to protect Johnny Sexton. Even the timeline around this like, is there a referee's report, like in soccer, that goes in straight after Leave the match? So. Yeah. So, how does. Certainly, my impression at the time, and there would have been a lot of reports, some of my name in it saying that he would escape sanction, but mm. my impression at the time was that Jakob Piper and, and the wasn't really keen to pursue this. Like, he's going to come across Sexton again at the World Cup at some stage. Um, and that's where my antennae is up a little bit about, you know, the first video of Sexton's behaviour towards the ref came out through a South African Sunday news, um, an African Sunday newspaper in South, Af- uh, in South Africa, which often is first with the news from the SARU. Then it's come through this obscure London, obscure enough London website, certainly in rugby terms, I mean, it may be massive, but I hadn't come across it until these, these stories. So it was being leaked from somewhere, possibly within England, I don't know. Um uh, is there like has there been you know within officialdom a bit of lost patience with Johnny Sexton because you know he does have wouldn't a record wouldn't be a surprise wouldn't be a surprise is it in the interests of some of Ireland's rivals to kind of undermine them in the build up that wouldn't be a surprise that pressure would be applied in some way look these things do happen behind the scenes but at the same time we can't shy away from the fact that Sexton did go up to the match officials. He's filmed doing it twice. I saw it in my own eyes at the end of the game when he had no hand actor part in the match itself. He obviously was emotionally invested mm. in a huge way. And I think, you know, look, they wouldn't have sent this release out. Um, I think a lot of people talked about APCR having no teeth at the end of the, you know, after the Ulster debacle and the game mm. taking place in the Aviva because of the frozen pitch up in Ravenhill. And there was no, the investigation was a bit of a whitewash after that. So I wonder, have they just decided they don't want to be accused of that again or whether they're under pressure? There's a lot going on behind the scenes. But also the way this is being handled, that's, you know, if we're talking about Johnny Sexton getting a four-week ban or a six-week ban or anything that impacts his World Cup preparations, that four-week, six-week ban is irrelevant if this process happens quickly. Like yeah, but it, may, it, it would be a match ban rather than a week ban so it, mm. it's definitely you know even if it happened two weeks afterwards you know Ireland the delay in time doesn't make any difference to his suspension I wouldn't have thought so um, but because it, it would like you know, everyone would have seen through that I mean we have seen like you know teams registering players for games that they would never have played in to get them out of match bans and you know maybe Leinster will have a would have a hastily arranged friendly against Connacht in the week before the World Cup mm. opener just to get him off and they might try that but like that's that's well down the line but I do think any ban will have will rule him out of, of our game you know I don't think it's going to be three weeks and it stops before Ireland's first World Cup game or anything like that I think it's gotten this far and it's quite like the 
it's a serious like the, the wording of the statement suggests that he's got a significant case to answer uh, I couldn't believe when I saw that the Irish squad were already in camp huh. ahead of the World Cup yeah they got two weeks off they got about four weddings in and then yeah. straight back in is Sexton in camp at the moment yeah 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 no he is they're all in camp they're all training I believe he's training fully um or certainly was when they first come in. I think what they're doing at the moment is largely. I am watching the odd RFU video just to see what's going on and see if just to try and spot if there's anyone who shouldn't be there in there. But uh, there's um, it looks like they're mostly doing S and C work, but kind of you know like normal preseason stuff. I think what they do is they got two weeks off to go through a block. They take another time. They, they rather than give them four or five weeks off at once they try and intersperse the weeks off during their thing to give them a rest during it. So I think they found that's the better way of doing it. But it does. I mean the provinces are back as well, you know, which just seems unseemly considering they're not playing any Your games. Doesn't start as when October, late October, yeah, mid October. So, um, but they got to keep in condition and and uh, they got to be ready for that World Cup. Uh, Munster going to play Crusaders? Yeah, yeah. At first glance, is incredibly exciting, and then you realise it's the day after Ireland play France in the Six Nations. Yeah, and it's you know I like all of these Munster friendlies that they they have a really good record of going out and getting good games to, to and they may play play, play this in Porky Cueve and. It wouldn't surprise me if they got a very good crowd to it because there's such a um, difference to it. Crusaders are in pre-season um, and, Munster, and they're playing Bristol Bears as well and Munster you know, have no game that weekend so it's a good money spinner for them. I think it will be an exciting fixture. I mean, Munster will still have a tranche of players you know, who, who won't go to Ireland camp. Some will be released that week and might be allowed to play because it's a good game for them to play in. They beat South Africa A with, with a similar enough oh, team this last year. the entire year. season, really. Absolutely, yeah. Like, you know, they beat the Maori, they nearly beat New Zealand with a team that was missing Ireland International. So the fans won't, won't be put off by the fact that their Ireland stars won't be there. Ah, look, it's a... And they're building it as the clash of the champions, which you know is, is, is you know it's good marketing and it's it's bound to grind some gears up in Leinster. Leinster can't do that, can they? Well, like, like it's not. I mean, Munster has stolen the march on everyone else by getting this fixture. I think. I mean, Rob Penny has taken is taking over as Crusaders coach. Scott Robertson's moving to the All Blacks, so there's obviously a personal connection mm. there. But um, I can't remember if uh, Munster. I'm sorry, the Crusaders are still sponsored by Adidas. I think they might be. I'm not, I, stand to be corrected on that but there's a couple of maybe running connections between the two organisations but it's a great fixture and it, I think it will put bums on seats and bring revenue in and it all goes towards that playing budget and it's a smart bit of business So the Under 20 World Cup is on at the moment um, yeah. in South Africa proper old school rugby Jesus Christ the pitch was the worst pitch I've seen in years Yeah well I mean it's they, they play they tend to play these games back to back on the same pitch which is fine if you're playing in the Northern Hemisphere summer mm. um, or even in certain parts of South Africa if you're up in the high valley you'd probably be okay but Parallel in the Western Cape has been battered by I got an email from a reader about uh, a week ago saying it hasn't stopped raining here since the URC final it's just been relentless it's been flooding and the pitch is a bog and they play, they're playing and they haven't changed tack and it's been really unfair on the players I think that they haven't changed tack because Ireland played there this morning but South Africa play Italy are playing now I think mm. as we as we speak and, and that's the third game on that pitch today it's crazy like um, and it was barely playable after uh, Ireland beat Australia this morning yeah it was barely playable when they started like because you know the, the three games took place there five days ago like I mean we saw like the, the big the best stadium in, in that area is the Cape Town Stadium the pitch was a, was atrocious for mm. the URC final so um you know, it's a problem. It's it, but but it forced the team to find a way to beat Australia, and they did. Maybe it helped. I'm burying the lead by uh, talking about the pitch first. So Ireland beat Australia by 30 points to 10. This is after the draw against England yeah. at the weekend. 
they basically had to win this to have yeah. any chance of progressing. Yeah, and bonus point really, like the draw wasn't actually a bad result if they were, if they beat Australia, but that was all the, always the caveat. It, it reduced their wriggle room, but the fact that England and, and Ireland picked up three points each means that if they win their other two games, they're both going to go through to the semi-final. Mm. Four teams qualify, the top three, the pool winners, and then the best runner-up. And the three points you get for a draw actually gives you a really good chance of being a best runner-up because all of the best runners-up, all, all of the runners-up will have lost one game. Right. You know, or, you know. So that that's... Um, so by by Dermot Mangan scoring a try in the last in the last minute off a off a line at Mall um, a scrum penalty line at Mall the way Ireland scored three of their their tries it was um, oh sorry it was a tap penalty sorry took, they t- tapped that one they they'd been repelled at the Mall but by Dermot Mangan scoring that try it pretty much gives them one foot in the in the semi final as long as they beat Fiji next Tuesday um, very good strong performance it's a really big Irish team it's much bigger than previous teams Ireland have had Paddy McCarthy. The Leinster, he switched from tight head to loose head. Joe McCarty's younger brother mm. and his brother, uh, excellent uh, in the front row, some unbelievable carrying. Um, Brian Gleeson in the back row was absolutely sensational. The, the Munster um, back row. But the Irish pack killed them. They absolutely killed them. Yeah, they turned the screw. They, 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 Australia lost their tight head prop to injury 36 minutes into the, into the first half and never really recovered. He's a bit of a monster and, and they just lost all their strength in the scrum. Scrum all close in contact. They went old school. They went biblical and it really worked for them. And, and They've they've demonstrated a different way to win, which is a really good characteristic. And I think this is a really talented group of players who, like New Zealand, got hammered by France today. I know we can draw correlations. Ireland beat France in the Six Nations. France have the, the latest of the Tuilagi clan playing in their second row. He's 18 years old and 145 kilos. He's an absolute. He was one man in a match. He was unbelievable. I think it's going to be a Northern Hemisphere winner to this tournament. Maybe South Africa will get into the mix, but um, like New Zealand aren't that strong. Australia looked flashy at times but weren't that strong either like Ireland have a chance to win this is, is, you know, to cut my long point short as the, as the Grand Slam winners they look really well primed if injury and Ruan Quinn went off with an injury today doesn't get the better of them uh, Sam Prendergast was a real focal point of attention going into this because I think some people still feel maybe there's a you know a couple of injuries here and there and maybe, maybe he gets parachuted you know? in <laughs> who knows uh it's been a bit of a roller coaster for him over the first couple yeah, of matches. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, the conditions are tricky for any out half, and there have been undoubted touches of class. I thought it was there were some moments in our first half where he just rose above it, and he was able to play ball. There's been a couple of skewed kicks. There's been a couple of poor conversions, but his line kicking for those lineouts was really, really good. Whenever Ireland won a penalty, he he made the most of, out of it. I think love you know. When you come out the other at the, at the end of it, the ledger is going to be very positive for him. Like he's a class, class player, and maybe the expectation and the pressure that's come after his Leinster appearances and being touted as a potential World Cup squad member um, has affected him a little bit. And it's it's been a long season. He played in this tournament last year, or the, the version that they had of this yeah. tournament last year. So he's played a lot of rugby. And in a way, that's think, what this tournament is for. Yeah. Is that- it, like actually having even more pressure on him yeah. is only going to work trying to play rugby. He's run. trying to play attacking slick slick rugby on an absolute bog of a pitch, and and he's by and large he's getting the most out of his talent on it. Like you know, there have been moments, but it's not easy out there. And he's playing against good players. It's it's. I think I'm generally impressed by him every time I see him, even when he makes the mistakes. It doesn't seem to phase him. He's you know, like he reminds me of Crowley like that that he just gets up and and, and makes the next play. And his mindset seems to be very very good. And, and look. It's hard kicking on a pitch like that. That's it's not going to be easy. You know, they've won more game on that pitch. I think that the knockouts will be up in Stellenbosch, which you'd hope won't be. I mean, it's in the same area. It's had the same weather. It'll be affected, but it won't be maybe as bad as as Parallel has been. But it's character building. It's it's not. It's doing them no harm. And and like the, ultimately, winning a World Cup would be amazing for these players. But what our Irish rugby needs from this team is to get as many of them through. And yeah. some of them look ready to go next season. And the sevens 
ticking along nicely as well. Men's and women's team qualifying yeah, for the Olympics. Like, yeah, for the first time, Ireland will have two men. Uh, I mean, obviously, sevens hasn't been in that long, but you know, when sevens first came into the Olympics, Ireland didn't really have a program. They built it from the ground up. Uh, David Nusfor's pet project, and it's come to fruition, and they they deserve to be there. And I thought what was most notable in it was last time they really didn't show up in Tokyo. They weren't able to land the blow. They kind of their 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 medal was when they they qualified, and they kind of left it all out there and they weren't able to tailor their conditioning because re- they left it really late they, they qualified in I think June and, and the, the, the Olympics was in August and it was really hard for them to back it up whereas now they've qualified a year a year and a bit out so they can relax celebrate go on holidays come back next season and build everything towards Paris um, like, Does it get to ha- the stage ever with the Olympics where a year out you start looking at players who aren't involved in the seventh setup who could add something to it well, like you could look at someone like Jordan Armour for example mm. who's not getting into the senior setup and is get, not getting his game regularly for Leinster and, and, and may, like there's talk because their host the France will redeploy Antoine Dupont for next season which would be <laughs> remarkable but like you know it, he is the that, that maybe that's what the wow. the sevens would need so I, I'm trying to think of anyone in the senior setup I'm watching setup. that oh absolutely are and like I think it would be you wouldn't want any of the kind of really established guys to be turfed out for that and but we've seen this week with the women's world cup squad there's no room for loyalty in elite sport if someone can do a job for you and you can get him in uh, who's good enough then you have got to go for that player i remember when it first came out people were talking about would you know would they be able to get O'Driscoll playing sevens when you know when sevens became a focus for the RFU i mean like someone like Gary Ringrose I mean, it's not going to happen with, with someone who's really like a centrally contracted established player. I don't think because you'd have to take them out of the 15s program for a season. And mm. Ireland remains on the men's side at least a 15s country. With 15s is where the money is generated, and you know the Six Nations, all that stuff. But certainly, like I'm sure players' ter- heads will be turned and, and would fancy. You know, could Joey Carberry, you know, fancy fancy a run at the sevens? Like, could that be the thing? We're a little squad here ourselves now. Absolutely. Well, I'm just Very unfair the players, and the players who've literally just qualified. But uh, absolutely, but know, even, sprinkling a star doesn't. But might one be in thing the James Topping has done is that he's been quite ruthless. The coach, you know, former international, mm. has been quite ruthless in terms of his selection, and he has. You know, some players have had time out and had to come back because they've been challenged, and that's ultimately come come through. And this, uh, so yeah, I'm sure there'll be players putting their hands up. It'll be, it's pretty like getting to Paris and potentially winning an Olympic medal is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And this team are quite capable. Like they've got some of the best sevens players in the world: Terry Kennedy, Jordan Conroy, experienced players like um, Harry McNulty, Billy Dardis. You know, they have a lot of what, what of the ingredients to get at least onto the podium. All right, Rory Grace, as always. Thanks, Ethan. All our rugby on off the balls with Vodafone, Ireland's most reliable mobile network and proud sponsor of the Irish rugby team. Rugby on off the ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.